Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, you said the entrance of your word gives light. Give us light today. Give us light in our being, dispel darkness. God, give us truth that we can live by, that we can live by in such a way that we will walk in the, in the joy and the blessings that you intended for us from the very beginning. We thank you that that's who you are. We thank you for your word. God, we pray that your anointing would be upon it. You'd speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through the book of Proverbs. It's been amazing. I love the book of Proverbs. And I want to encourage you all to read it, uh, to continue to read it, to read these chapters throughout the weeks in between Sundays, as I shared, um, and, and we'll understand that when we, when we read or when actually when you just listen to teaching or to the word, you retain maybe 10% of what you hear. So you will leave here today. And remember, if you're lucky, 10%. If you listen and you write down notes and reread, you begin to increase your retention. And if you go back and review it, you increase your retention yet more. And we're going to understand as we continue through this book how important it is that we have retention of the word of God, that we don't just hear it, but we retain it. So we're going to go into Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, the, the title of this message is Wisdom Bestows Well-Being. And we're going to read this chapter um, through the eyes of cause and effect. So I, I want to, before we even start, explain a little bit about cause and effect. So cause and effect, and, and most of you know this as you've been through school, it's a combination of action and reaction. Cause and effect describes a relationship between actions or events which at least one action or event is the direct result of another. So one is the cause, the cause causes the reaction. So we see this in, in the universe, we see this in science. Um, example is it rained and I got wet. That's cause and effect. Cause happens first and tells us why it rained. And then effect happens after cause and tells us what happened as a result. I got wet. So another cause and effect is Phil stayed up late. That's the cause. The effect is he was tired the next day. Sometimes there's multiple causes or multiple effects. So Phil stayed up late and he didn't eat breakfast. Uh, the effect is he, um, he got up, uh, he was tired the next day and did bad on his exam. So there's lots of causes and effects and we're going to study the book of Proverbs, and especially the chapter 3 right now, in the eyes of cause and effect. So um, another word for effect that is often used is consequences and outcomes. I don't like the word consequence because it has a very negative feel to it. Usually we hear that word when we've done something wrong and are getting in trouble for it. You know this if you have been a kid. 
but outcomes is, seems to have some more positive tone. So we're going to use the word outcome uh, because we want to understand this book and understand what we're learning and understand what God is trying to teach us, that it's not a negative. We so often view God in a negative way, and we want to view it in a positive way. We, we view disobedience to his word in a negative way. He's going to come and judge us. He's going to just strike us down dead. And especially if you were like me, if you were brought up a Catholic, you feared God in a real fear, like uh, you thought that thunder and lightning was going to hit you when you did something wrong. But it's more of an outcome that God's looking to establish for you, to bless you, to make your life better. And so we want to understand it through the lens of a father that loves us. So Proverbs and much of the Bible is a book of cause and effects meant for our well-being. So, we're, so we understand um, do this and this will happen. That's cause and effect. Uh, God said if you do this and this is throughout scripture, then this will happen. And we see this a lot in Proverbs especially, which is the book of wisdom. So what we sometimes misinterpret the Bible to say to us is do this and God will do this. But it's really not. It's do this and this will happen. It's a principle. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. God gives us principles to live by for our well-being. The sun shines on the good and the bad. Uh, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So we understand that God has put principles in place in the universe. And, and those um, those principles apply to all of us. So even people that don't know the Lord, that have not yet come into a relationship with Christ, can experience the effects of the cause, can, can live out the, the cause, can live out their life by the principles of God, the God that they may not even know and experience the effects that God put in place. So sometimes we think, we just bypass everything, and it's really not like that. So um, there is one place, but it's different, and that's in our salvation. So the real cause and effect of our lives in our disobedience to God really is we have disobeyed God, we have sinned, we have been separated from God is the effect. But then the ongoing effect is that then we have eternal damnation. So Christ coming to die for us on the cross created a new cause and effect. The cause is that he taking our place on the cross gives us the outcome of eternal life. So we have to understand that our eternal life and our entrance into the kingdom of God is not based on all the things we have done or not done. It's based on what Christ has done. So our, if it was based on what we have done, the effect would be eternal damnation. But based on what Christ did, the effect is eternal salvation. So we have eternal salvation no matter what or how we have lived our lives. That's the foundation. Um, however, as we continue to build upon that foundation, as we continue to live our lives, we need to understand that it is very much a cause and effect, that, that the blessings and the things we establish in life and the well-being we have that God wants us to have is very much based on the cause and effects of how we live. So in other words, we can make it to heaven, um, but we will just make it there. I'm actually going to read a scripture I had at the end. I'm going to read it first. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, because this really explains it well. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious... So first, let's understand that foundation is our salvation in Christ. So no one can lay another foundation. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. Your good works will not get you saved. No matter how far, and we've been teaching the communion class, it, no matter how good a swimmer you are, if you try to swim from here to, the, to England, you will not make it. You're just not going to make it across the Atlantic Ocean. I don't care if you're the best swimmer in the world. So I don't care if you're the best person in the world. It will never gain you access into heaven. If we could get there that way, then Jesus did not have to die. But it said, all have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there is no other way. There's no other way we can gain entrance into his kingdom but through Christ. That is the foundation. That is salvation. You cannot earn your way into it. You cannot be good enough. And we need to understand this. This is the very basis of our Christian life, of the gospel, and what we need to let people know because many people are living with a very different concept so that being said um, if we go on we say no other foundation can be laid except Christ but if anyone builds on this foundation using gold silver precious stone wood hay or straw his workmanship will be evident because the day will bring it to light that's the day when all things are judged it will be revealed with fire and what he has built, if what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as through the flames. The fire will prove the quality of each man's work. So we understand that even though we will make it and will be saved, that might be it. Um, so there's, there is uh, a difference. So some may make it still smelling like smoke. They were that close to the fires of hell. And while others will make it with their rewards preceding them. And it's not just about our rewards in heaven, but it's about our life here. God wants to give us a blessed life here. And so it's very important we understand it's not just a magic wand. And it's not just because you're saved that everything's going to go well and that you're going to reap all these outcomes. It's because there is a cause and effect principle that is at work in your life. And so we need to understand this so that we can obtain the blessings of God now that we are saved. So Proverbs and much of the Bible is a spiritual science book on the cause and effects that brings us blessing or brings us harm. The key is not God, it is us. A perfect example is Proverbs 19.3. It says, a person's own foolishness leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. So you see often things, when things aren't going well because choices we have made, then we get angry at God. So our choices and decisions are so important. On the flip side, there's also this falsehood within Christian circles of naming and claim it. We quote a scripture about God's blessing and um, that we, we're going to just have it. We just say it, we name it, we claim it, it's ours, when it really is about an action and an outcome. And so sometimes we're expecting the outcome without the action. Example, the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And I've heard so many parents quote this over uh, their children when they're older, expecting them because they're just quoting it to be following the Lord when they did not train them in the way of the Lord. So we have to learn that 
these causes that we establish, these choices, these decisions, the, the, the way we live is so important for the outcomes that we will reap. Not that God doesn't want the best. He does want the best. That's why he gave us these directives. That's why we have the book of Proverbs. That's why we have the scriptures on our side. So we're going to go to the to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to read this through the lens of cause and effect. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. First is the cause. My son, do not, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. So the, the cause here is not to forget his teaching and to keep his commands in our heart. Now, how can we not forget teaching unless we are diligently studying and learning. For instance, if you, you have a test coming up, if you're in school, what do you do? You study, you read, you memorize, you go over and over and over so that you remember it. So the way you remember something is you study and you read over and over and over until it's ingrained in your head and you can quote it, you could say it, and you can live it. So that's what he means when he said, do not forget my teaching. How many of us have the word of God in that way? How many of us study the teachings of Jesus? How many of us study through the Bible in the way we would for a test or an exam that is coming up? So this is what it means. This is the cause. It's not just coming and hearing a half an hour message on Sundays, um, or, but it's studying to know it, to learn it. So we, he said, don't forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart. Keep it close to you. That's the cause. Here's the effect. For they will prolong your life with many years and bring you peace and prosperity. That's a pretty good outcome. So when we are diligent to study in the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of God's word, it will bring us peace. It will bring us prosperity and it will prolong our life many years. That's a good thing. That's why God wants us to do this, because he loves us and wants it to go well for us. Let's go to verse 3 and 4. Cause first. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That's the cause. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That means keep, it so, keep these qualities so close to you, so near and dear to you. Um, so love and faithfulness. Let's talk about these qualities since they are being told that this cause will bring an effect. Uh, what, and what is the effect? In verse 4, the effect is then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That is so important. Let me tell you something. You do not want to go through life and end it off with a bad name. You know, we, we read through history books. We see history played out in front of us. And, a, and, and the Bible says a good name is better than riches. So when we, when we let love and faithfulness stay close to us, it says that we will have favor, not just the favor of God, but the favor of people. And I'm talking about not just the favor of Christians, but the favor of everybody. So we want to have favor. You want to have favor in your life? Let love and faithfulness be bound um, to your heart. And we're going to just talk about what does that look like? Because love is a very ambiguous word. So love, uh, if you want to know what love is, then let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. 
talks about love being patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. It protects. It trusts. It hopes. It perseveres. So we understand what love is, and it's easy for us to follow this through, you know, with people that we care about. But Jesus took it to a whole nother level. He actually told us to love our enemies. So I want you to take this scripture in Corinthians. Think about the person that has done you the worst harm. Think about somebody that has been your enemy, somebody that, that you may not like for whatever reason, or someone that has just been not right to you. And now let's read the scripture with that person in mind. It says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow. It protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. So this is the kind of love that we need to keep uh, bound to us. I, I love how Jesus took the law and he just always put it into a whole new light. You know, it's not just the letter of the law, but he, he made it real. Now let's talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness is loyalty, dedication. Um, it's, it's consistency. Faithfulness is um, steadfastness. Uh, it's dependability. It's commitment, trustworthiness. And so faithfulness is usually in the context of relationships. So talk about faithfulness in marriage. We talk about faithfulness in friendships. Um, in fact, the Bible says a faithful friend who can find. It seems to be a rarity. We talk about faithfulness in, in your job, faithfulness in church. Faithfulness is such an important quality. And so um, it's, it's being bound by a pledge or duty. And faithfulness is put to the test. So it's not just about who jumps on the wagon with you. It's about who will stay and help you push the wagon when the wheel falls off. And so we, and we have seen, just being in the church, we have seen pastoring a church for all these years, for uh, just a, almost 40 years, that sometimes faithfulness is rare. People can be like all there, but then when things are in a hard spot, people disappear. And so God wants us to cultivate faithfulness in our lives, faithfulness in our relationships, faithfulness at our job, faithfulness when your boss is, is, is just being a real pain, just faithfulness um, in, in marriage. That's become so rare. Let me tell you something. God is faithful to us. God is faithful to us when we are not faithful to him. It says when we're faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. This is his character. He's faithful. And we are only here because of his faithfulness. Okay, so we understand that that will give us uh, love and faithfulness will give us favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Next one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. These are the causes. These are the things we do. And lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him. So we see trust him with all your heart. In all your ways submit to him. It's not a partial thing here, but it's a complete thing. And then the outcome, the effect is he will make your paths straight. So we have to understand 
that we need to trust God with everything. We need to trust him completely. We need to submit all our ways to him, not just some of them. We don't just, uh, you know, do some things and then other things we just choose to do on our own. There should be nothing we do on our own. There's so many people, so many friends I've had, they just make major decisions in their life and don't even consult the Lord. Don't even seek him. Major decisions, whether it's getting married, dating people, oh, you know, it's like, Sometimes we just don't want to pray about things because we're afraid what God is going to tell us. That's where the trust comes in. We have to trust that he has our back, that he has our best interest, and we need to bring everything and submit everything in our lives before him and seek him. And then it says, not only will he guide our paths, but those paths that he guides us on will be straight. Did you ever try? Imagine like, just just look, how long does it take me to walk from here to here on a straight path? seconds. And if this is my goal, the goodness of God in my life, blessings, you know, prosperity. Now, if I'm going to walk crooked, look how much longer it takes me to get there. Do you understand? God doesn't want it to take your lifetime for you to have blessings, goodness, prosperity, well-being. He doesn't want it to take a lifetime. He wants to get you there smoothly, quickly, Easily, He wants to bless you. So we would be doing ourselves justice and a good thing if we learn to put everything before him. Submit everything to him. As a family, we seek God about everything. I don't make moves without seeking God. Even if it's something I really want, I still put it before God. No matter what it is, we seek God about everything. We shouldn't just be seeking him when, when we don't want something. Like, so we just, we give him our problems. Yeah, God, make this problem go away. Make this problem go away. What about if it's something you really want? Are you willing to say, God, is this what you want? What do you want me to do? And that's how we need to live our lives. And he will make our path smooth. So you got to trust him in that. Um, the next one goes, verse 7 and 8. This, do not be wise in your own eyes. And it's along the same vein about trusting him. Um, but fear the Lord and shun evil. So we need humility and we need to know that God knows what's good for us. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't think you know everything because you know nothing. And then it says, fear the Lord and shun evil. And these are the same thing. To fear the Lord is to turn from evil. Proverbs 8, 8, 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And it says, I hate pride and arrogance, uh, corrupt behavior and perverse speech. When we think of evil, we just think of murdering people, stealing from people. We got to understand pride is evil and a prideful heart is evil. And so we need to learn humility, to walk in humility, to watch our arrogance. So we need to hate sin. We need to hate evil. We need to hate what's wrong. We need to hate what's wrong in us, not to hate ourselves. We don't want to hate ourselves. We need to love ourselves, but we need to hate what's wrong in our lives and bring it to God. And so we need to also learn and to stop hating what's wrong in everyone else's life and just start hating what's wrong in our life. Like Jesus said, um, trying to take the log out of someone else's eye and we're Actually, we're trying to take the specks out of someone else's eye, and there's a log in our own. So let's just work on us. And, um, and this is the effect. It will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. The outcome is physical, mental, emotional well-being. So we want to follow this. 
verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your bonds will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over new wine. Now we understand when, when Jesus taught and when people uh, teach, they teach in the context of their culture. So the principles are always the same, but sometimes the para, parable and the story is a little different. We're not farmers, we're city dwellers. So most of us, if we're, we're lucky, if we have a little patch of grass or a tree somewhere around us. So we don't have barns, we don't have vats. Most of us don't even know what a vat is. But what it's symbolizing here is the same. We go to jobs and we earn an income. We get money. We get a paycheck. We go to the bank and we deposit that. So that is our crops. That is our income, our money. And it says, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your wealth. So um, whatever we make, we're to honor him. The first fruits is 10%. The first fruits is a tithe. God has commanded us throughout scripture to give him 10%. Some people say, oh, we don't need to do that anymore. Let me tell you something. Um, it's a principle. It's a principle. We should want to do it. Actually, we should want to outdo it because you can't outgive God. So we don't want to, it's, it's a principle. It doesn't go away in the New Testament. You understand? This is not a law that is hurtful to us. It's a law that is helpful to us. Because you see, what is the outcome? The, the, the cause is honor him with that 10% with the first fruits and even more than that. What's the cause? Your bonds will be filled. This is a principle. It's like what comes up, what goes up must come down. This is a principle. God does not change in his principles. He did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We need to give to God what he asks us to give or belongs to him. What is a principle of sowing and reaping? It's a principle. It actually says in Proverbs, there's one who scatters and increases more and one who withholds and comes to poverty. This is principle. God wants us to let go to let go, to trust him, to give him what he asks, to give him what he says is his. He actually says a tithe is his. It belongs to him. It actually says you're robbing him when you don't give it to him. And that stays the same. The first thing, as soon as I learned this as a young Christian, only, only 17 years old, I, you know what I did? I, I, uh, from the moment I gave my life to Christ, and it must have been months later that I, I learned about this principle and I said, oh, my gosh, I've been saved all this time, and I haven't been tithing. I went into my bank account, and I did the math of all the 10% of all I had been making um, for it was probably about a year and gave it to the Lord, gave it to the church. And you know what? We have always tithed when we lived really hard, really tight. We, I always tell people we lived poorer than the poor people we served. I served... I served people that were really poor through children of the city but they had name brand sneakers and my kids didn't um but the thing is that I trusted God I trusted him with my money I trusted him with his word and God has always been faithful and has always blessed us and has given us back so much so I am a living testimony and there are so many more and I can't get into that because that's not the purpose of this message but it's just one of the cause and effects. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resist his rebuke uh, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and as a father, the son or daughter he delights in. So again, God, this is a cause and effect of what God does. When we, when we do mess up, 
God will discipline us. God will chastise us, it says. And it's unpleasant. Hebrew says all discipline is unpleasant. Are any of you, all of you have been a kid at some point? I don't know about you, but I was spanked plenty of times as a kid or given time out. But see, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as time out. We never heard of that. There was just the belt. That's all. <laughs> How many of you my age and understand that? Or the wooden spoon. And I made a big mistake. When my mother switched from a, wood, from a belt to a wooden paddle, I told her it didn't hurt as much. So guess what? She went back to the... She went back to the belt. I'm like, what an idiot I was. <laughs> My brother was so mad at me. <laughs> so, you know, nowadays it's time out. And I think that's good because some people are abusive in their discipline. But there's discipline. And no discipline is pleasant. So when God disciplines us, it's not pleasant. But it's needful. It's necessary. It helps us. It's for our good. And he wants us to understand that. Because even us as parents... Often discipline out of anger, out of frustration. God never does. It's always for our benefit. And it's always in perfection. He is perfect. He never does it with a wrong motivation. So we have to understand that, that, that that's how God works and he wants us to know that. So now we see more benefits, more of the cause and effects um, and the worth of wisdom. So the cause here in these next few verses is knowing wisdom, is getting wisdom, it's finding wisdom, which is found in the word of God. And it's not just knowledge. It's not just uh, something you can learn in a university or studying. Wisdom is developed. Wisdom is beyond just knowing and having knowledge. So we need wisdom. And believe me, wisdom is developed through age. Wisdom is developed through experience. Wisdom is developed through learning to yield to God. And so the best way you can find wisdom in your life is to find a wise person. And most wise people are pretty old. So that's a benefit of age, right? If you're young, trust me, you probably have limited wisdom. But older people have lived through and seen. It's not just we've lived, not just what we've done, but what we've seen. I have seen the, the ups and downs. I've seen lives that have started well shipwrecked. I've seen people thought that I thought had such a powerful call ministry in their life destroyed. I have seen families that I, I thought would be do well and have just fallen apart. So I learn from that. I learn from what to do and what not to do. And so we learn what to do and what not to do. Wisdom is applying knowledge. It's not just having knowledge. So anyway, we need wisdom. So here it says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire, nothing you desire can compare with her. So this is, first of all, letting us realize how, uh, how valuable wisdom is in our life. More than anything, more than anything, Solomon said, get wisdom. More than anything, more than seeking the best job, more than seeking the best career, more than, than seeking to make the highest salary you can, seek wisdom. Because you know what? If you seek wisdom, everything else comes. If you seek wisdom, all those other things you want come with it. 
to seek wisdom because with it, look at this, comes wisdom, with wisdom comes long life, comes riches, comes honor. Your well-being will come with this. If we're seeking all these other things without wisdom, we will miss it. But if we seek wisdom, all these other things will come with it. And it goes on to say her ways are pleasant ways, verse 17, and all her paths are peace. These are more effects more outcomes. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And those who hold her fast will be blessed. So it's something you have to hold tight on to. It's something you have to cling to, cling to. I was sharing a story just last week. We were, we were uh, away. I was with my son. Everyone was in for a family wedding. And I had my grandkids. And I'm in the pool with my son and my uh, granddaughter, who's just like 10 months old, and, and we're playing there for like a good half hour, and, and I see her fist like this with some little metal object like in her fist. I'm like, what, is she, what does she have? So I pry open her fist, and lo and behold, I pull out my daughter-in-law's engagement ring. I'm like, wow, wow, you know? And so then, and then I look over, because we've been in the pool a half hour now, and my daughter-in-law's there on the side of the pool frantically, looking for her wedding ring, um, which she didn't even want to say anything to my son about. She was just desperately like, she said, like, what could happen? It took for one second to put lotion on the baby. And in that one second, the baby grabbed it. But the way she was holding it so tight, like she knew the value of this. She would not let it go. And that's how we have to have wisdom, not let it go. Because there'll be times you'll want to let it go. There'll be times you'll be tempted to go in a different direction that wisdom tells you not to. And you need to hold on tight. In the same way, it goes on and it says, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. You see, there will be times of testing, times when you want to cheat the system, times when you want to take a shortcut, times when you think you can get something and it won't matter that, that you go in a different way than wisdom dictates to you. Don't do it. I've seen so many people shipwreck their lives, their careers. Because, and, and sometimes it's just because of a need, a desire, a want. But hold on to wisdom. And it's, it, it says not only to hold tight, it says uh, to hold fast, not to let it out of your sight. It's like when you have a child in a crowded, crowded. I had my son and my uh, daughter once. We were in a crowded water park. I mean, it was packed, wall-to-wall people. And I thought I had them both, and then I realized I just had one. And so my older son was not with me, and then I thought he was, it was like Jesus in the temple. Then I thought he was with my friend, and he wasn't with my friend, so, you know, panic sets in. And if you're ever a pan that panic sets in because here I am it's like wall-to-wall people in this thousands of people in this water park and I just started screaming his name and then out in the crowd I saw some man just lift him up in the air and there he was and um, there's a whole story behind that that I can't get into how uh, God had my husband see we didn't have cell phones back then he had my husband and a good friend of ours praying back home And the Lord had showed them, you have to pray because your son's going to get lost. And you need to pray because it can be a long ordeal that will be traumatic or a short ordeal. And they prayed for hours. And it was a matter of seconds. But to me, it felt like a lifetime. And so that's how we are. 
to, to hold on to, to hold on to and to cling to wisdom and understanding in our life. And so it says, um, preserve sound judgment. Preserve means when you preserve something. Do you ever preserve anything? Um, when you preserve something, you, you make it so that it'll last for a long time. You take something that normally would be short-lived and you preserve it. You pickle cucumbers and they last forever, right? They're preserved. Um, you make jams out of fruits that will disintegrate in a week and go bad. Um, but when you preserve them, they last for months and years. So he says to preserve this in our lives, to preserve computer shut off hold on there it goes to preserve sound judgment so we want to preserve it it's not short-lived it's not just for the moment but it's for the long haul that we need this okay and so um he goes on and says um then this first of all i love this it says they will be life to you and an ornament on your neck it makes you look good It'll make you look good. But not only that, it said you will go your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. And trust me that there will be things that will make you stumble. There will be things, everybody in life, you can't go through life without things that come along to make you stumble. And the longer you've lived, you understand that there's things that come along your path that could easily make you stumble. And when you cling to wisdom and understanding and to the word of God and to the teachings of Jesus, you will have those things come in your life, but you will not stumble. There have been people that have stumbled that I was shocked and have fallen and have never gotten up again. So it says not only will you not stumble, it says when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Um, your sleep will be sweet. You will have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and he will keep your foot from being snared. You see, it happens to others. And the enemy is always out there laying snares for us. The enemy wants to see us trip up and mess up. And when we trust the word of God more than we trust our own selves, we will not stumble. We will not be snared. We will not be caught. Many, many people have, have fallen. Many uh, Christian people, many prominent Christian people have stumbled, have fallen, have lost their good name, have lost their reputation, has lost favor because they were what I call willfully stupid, thinking they can beat it, thinking that they can do something and it wasn't going to come back at them. Think, and, and I think, like I said, what were they thinking? That no one would ever, was ever going to know? Trust me. Jesus said, everything will come into the light. There's nothing hidden that will not come into the light. So the best thing we can do is just walk in the light. Don't allow darkness in our lives ever. Um, but when we do, when we do mess up, uh, God is always there to pick us up. God is always there. Uh, there is something wonderful, this wonderful thing called repentance. And when we repent, God is always there, and he's always on our side, always in favor of us. So, so know that there is nothing. It says a righteous man may fall seven times and get up again. So we have to just continue to go on. So the final directives now, we're in verse 27. Do, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you have the ability to do it today. Do good every chance you can 
every opportunity you can. Do good. Help out those that ask. Be a blessing as much as you possibly can. It is good. And it goes on to say not only to do good, but then don't do harm. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. And I love how this reads because it says don't plot harm to your neighbor who lives trustfully with near you. You see, people... We as people are trusting. I always tell my husband, you know, because he just trusts everyone. And I tell him, you think everybody's like you. I said, you will, you'll never do anything to hurt anyone. But not everybody's like you. And I said, you always think everybody's like you. And you don't realize not everybody's like that. And so, unfortunately, we live in a society where we're trying to trust each other where we're trying to trust not just our individual neighbors, but trust each other as a society. And so many people in the name of greed, in the name of jealousy, in the name of what they want for themselves will do harm to their neighbors. And they may not even see it as an individual. You know, it's easier when you don't see the individual because there are companies that will do harm out of greed, there are companies that will sell products that kill people and keep selling them because it makes a profit. And it's easy when you don't put a face to it. But there are people that even when they, the face is put to it still in the name of their own gain will continue to do harm to their neighbor. And so we need to know that this is wisdom and it will never turn out well. And I, I can't get into it. I shared this morning. Um, you can always hear that message. It'll be the one posted of these amazing movies that I saw that just show um, just the greed of, of corporate America. But it's not even in America. I saw another movie. It was in Romania. It's just greed. It's across the world. Um, it's, just, it's just greed. And, and, you know, I understand why people don't trust the government. I understand why people don't trust corporations. I get that. We would hope that everyone would be looking out for our interests. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. Most people looking out for their own interests. But don't be that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person. Be the person that will look out for other interests. And it will be a blessing back on your life. And you will live and die with a name and a reputation and the blessing and the favor of God and man. So I know I'm probably going to have to, uh, I can't even tell. Am I like in my time? I'm trying to close out here. I, I don't see any negative lines back there. Is it a negative line or is it? Somebody has to tell me how to read that clock in the back because I just see zeros and then I see a one and 40 seconds, 39 seconds, 38 seconds, 37, and I'm killing my time here. Um, so I don't know if it means that I have one minute and 30 seconds left. Someone tell me, is that what it means? That's all right. Thank you. All right. That's what it means. All right. I'm going to try to tie this up fast now. So I'm going to, I'm going to shoot down to the final outcome in verse 35. It says the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. And I was reading, as I was reading this, I was realizing there's a difference between foolish people um, people that are fools and people that act foolishly. See, when you act foolishly, you, you, it's your individual foolish act. But a fool is someone that has made a lifetime and solidified foolishness in their life. 
Many of us will act foolish at different times in our life, but what we don't want to become is a fool. And when you continue to act foolish, you become a fool. So where, where are you at? Where am I at? Somewhere in between. The older you get, the more wisdom you acquire, the less foolish things you do. Um, if you're a young person, the best thing is to, to stick around some older people and learn from them because some of their foolishness can, that they have experienced can save you from yours. And the sooner you get on this trajectory of learning the cause and effects that are in the word of God, the more years of blessing and positive outcomes and effects for your actions you will have. So um, the sooner you get on this path, the more years to benefit, and it's a generational benefit. So it's not just for you. Every action, everything in your life, everything you do um, affects others. So I've seen so many people when I've been trying to talk them down from bad choices in their life and talk them back into following Christ. And I would hear this often. They'd say, well, I'm just hurting myself. And I'd always say, no, you're not. You're hurting a slew of people. You're hurting those around you. You're hurting your children. You're hurting your children's children. You're hurting generations to come. So when we walk in wisdom, when we take the word of God, we take the teachings of the Bible and the teachings of Christ and, and hold them and study them and learn them, what we are doing is we are not only reaping benefits in our life, but our children are going to reap the benefits of our actions. And then our church, children will watch and learn from our actions and they will perpetuate and replicate it, and it will become a generational blessing. Read my husband's book, Generational Blessings. So we're going to close. And as we shared in the beginning, it says that anyone that builds on this foundation, so the foundation is set. We give our life to Christ. We're saved. It's amazing. It's a gift. Not, nothing we can earn. I'm so thankful. That's why if, if we're not thankful all the time, then we don't, we don't really get it. We should be thankful every day of our life. And I've been recently just, you know, every, every time I enjoy anything that I'm blessed with, I just start thanking God for it. You know, I'm sitting in my, we live in the city, of course, so I'm sitting in my little patch of backyard, and I'm thanking God that I have a little patch of backyard. <laughs> And I'm sitting there in that little tiny piece of tranquility, thanking God that I have it. Thanking God for my children. Thanking God for my grandchildren. Thanking God for all the things he has blessed us with. But we have to understand that we receive those blessings because we've been willing to walk in the cause and effect of God's word. And so there may be people that don't know Christ, but are living in the cause and effects of the word of God. And there may be people that know Christ, but are still continuing to, to create those actions that bring negative outcomes and thinking, what's wrong? We need to get our face into the word of God. We need to ask God to uh, reveal it to us. We need to be in church every week to hear it. We need to study his word. We need to commit it to memory. We need to learn it and apply it in our life so that we can walk in the outcomes as we live it, as we do it. And that's God's desire for us. 
It's God's desire for us. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you're a good father, that you're a good God, that you give good things to those that ask. We thank you that you have given us your word to teach us, to instruct us. That the book of Proverbs is a book of instructions. God, we want to learn it. We want to know it. We don't want to just know about it. We don't want to just hear a sermon that can't even fully do it justice every week, but help us to study, to know your word. Help us to become individual learners, to sit at your feet, to absorb, to carve out time in our lives, to hear from you, to learn from you, not just to pray when we need things, but to seek and study your word. God, help us to grow in the knowledge and understanding of who you are. Help us, Father, to live our lives in a way that we can walk in your blessing and in the joy and in the benefits that you have provided for us. And we thank you. We thank you, God, that even in our mess-ups, there's always hope. That, God, you don't hold our sins against us. And that God even, that, that your word says even you will restore the years that, that the worm has eaten. That even when there's been time lapse of our own era, that you will restore it. That you will restore it. That you will restore, restore. That you are a God who restores, that heals. That performs beyond our imagination out of your love and goodness. So we thank you that that is who you are. And we bless you. We bless you. We worship you. We choose to live in your blessing and live in your word in Jesus' name. So we're just going to invite you, anyone that wants prayer, if you have any struggle in your life, any challenges, anything you're discouraged over, God is a God of encouragement. Never, never let discouragement overtake you. He's a God of encouragement and hope. If there's anything you want to pray for. God is here, and there are people here to pray with you. Just come up to the front. God bless you. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram 